Good morning. Let's pray to God. Lord, I glorify you as our God. And Lord, may we have faith as a child as we serve you and love you and pursue you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, it was the summer between my junior and senior year in college. Um, I had the opportunity to go with a missions group called Royal Servants. And what they do is they take a couple hundred high school kids and take them to Europe where they share, share their faith. And, and so I went as a leader and I had the opportunity to share my mad puppetry skills. <sighs> Not really. Okay, it wasn't that funny. Um, and so, sorry, that always gets me distracted when I go, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't that good. Uh, but anyway, um, so we had the opportunity to travel around Europe and share with people and tell them about God. And so I remember on the commissioning night um, we had at Berean Baptist in Burnsville, Minnesota. And I remember walking through the grounds of the church by myself, getting emotional about the fact that I felt like this is something that God might call me to. And I had spent enough time with them to know that that required you to be gone the whole summer. And a lot of them, the staff people went um, all summer without their families. And I was just um, getting pretty serious about dating my wife. And so we were um, at the point of getting pretty excited about each other and, and talking about marriage. And yet I was going to be gone for two months. And that was super hard. And I'm sure that was part of the emotion involved. But um, it was one of the first times I can remember saying, God, do I trust you enough and who you are for me to be inconvenienced and for me to, if this is what you want me to do, am I willing to do that, even though that could be hard for me? And I remember walking around that ground and saying, God, I want to have that kind of faith. We're starting a new, season, uh, new series today called Tis the Season. Because we really want to uh, prepare and, and, um, and adjust our hearts and our attitudes for Christmas. And so I'm going to start and talk about faith today. And then Kevin Meyer, who's our lead pastor, will talk about joy, hope, and love in the next three weeks. And in the New Testament, the word for faith has two different aspects that we need to understand and consider. First of all, there's belief. To believe what someone says is true. And so if we look at the Bible, if we look at Jesus, a faith in God includes belief that what he, what he says is true. And so in the song we say, if we have a little bit of faith, can we do mighty things? Well, one of the belief, parts of faith is belief. But it moves beyond just knowing that some, what someone said is true to include an aspect of trust. And that really means personal trust as distinct from mere credence or belief. So it's not just that we stand here and we say, yes, God is who he says he is. Yes, Jesus came as a, as a child and was born. And yes, he died for my sins. And that's great. And so I have faith in that. Faith in the Bible, when they talk about faith, includes a belief, yes, but also a trust. The fact that we say, yeah, God, I believe that, and so I'm going to trust you. Trust you with my job decisions, trust you with my family, trust you with my hurts and my pains, my joys, all of those things. And so those two aspects, as we talk about faith today, I hope we can challenge ourselves to say, do I believe and do I trust? Because if we um, look at how do we stay away, as the kids saying, from getting Christmas out, I think one of the ways that we do that is we step back and we say, what is this deal all about? And so there's two things I want to look at today that if we're going to have a faith in God, we need to have a foundation of faith and a function of faith. And I would like to um, suggest today that as a foundation of faith that we go with the God is big strategy. 
Because God is big. And he gives us his Bible to talk about that. And so one of the things, if we're going to say, i got faith in God, we need to understand what does that mean. And so I'm just going to go through a number of verses that kind of describe that this morning, starting in Genesis 1. 126 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I think too often we forget that part. We're created in God's image. We're valuable to him. He wants a relationship with us. And so from the very beginning of the Bible, he says, this is how it works. I'm your God, you're my people. And I created you in my image to be special and to have a relationship with me. The problem is sin entered the world. And so now we have, and that broke that relationship with God. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or separated from God. And so our sin gets in the way of that being made in God's image. It separates us from him. But he wants a relationship with us enough that he pursues us. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here we are with a system of, of creating God's image. And now we're sinful and separated from God. The wages of that is death and separation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. What a huge truth wrapped up in that little baby. So as we talk about Christmas, as we look forward, realize the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And the gift of God is the relationship with him. Um, John 3.16 explains this a little more when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so God puts us in a position of saying, I have sent my son who lived, who was without sin, who took on our sin, died for our sin, and was resurrected as a victory for sin, as a gift to you. Um, and that's where the verses in Isaiah that you often hear um, quoted at Christmas, Isaiah seven fourteen says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give you a birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Or God with us. If we're going to have faith in God, if we're going to believe and trust in him, then I think it's vital for us to understand he created us in his image. That's why we're here, to have a relationship with him. And the birth of Jesus leads to the life of Jesus, leads to the death and resurrection of Jesus, so we can have victory. And that allows for a relationship. It allows for a relationship with God that brings joy, Peace, mercy, justice, um, all of those things. It gives us a Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. And it holds a promise that we don't have to worry about death and separation from God. Because God has given victory over that through this birth of this little baby and the life and death that he led. And God is big. But I think there's a, a part of that where it would be easy for us sometimes to say, yes, I believe in that foundation of God. I believe that I'm created in his image. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe all those things. I think the Bible talks about us having a function of faith, a trust part, a part where we come and say, God, I believe that you are the, that who, who you said you are, so I'm going to do something about that. Um, James 2 talks about uh, several times, faith without works is dead. And so I think if we're going to look at beyond a foundation of faith to a function of faith, 
I think we've got to act on that message. Proverbs five or 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. It's an action step. And it's an action step that isn't related to, I've got to be good enough for God. I've got to do these things so God will love me. He already took care of that. He, throughout the Bible, has said, I created you in my, your, my image. You are important to me, important enough to send my only son to die for you. And so when we talk action steps, it's as a response to that foundation of faith. And so we need to act on that message. We need to put our trust in the Lord. Lean not on our own understanding, and he will make your path straight. Well, what does that look like? Well, I think it looks like a being a body of Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus, then you are a part of a body of Christ that has different strengths and abilities and interests and love. And we can relate to each other with love, with patience, with mercy, with unity. And true faith requires us to be authentic and real, to be honest with him. And the way that that works out is as a church and as church as a whole, this should be a place... And even in relationships with Christians, that should be a place where you can come and be who you are. And God's been teaching me a lot about that lately, about being authentic, being honest. And some of the people I've heard talk about that have have talked about baggage. And so I brought a backpack here today, and I'm just going to hang it here to remind us, sometimes we come, if we're coming authentically, if we believe who Jesus is, and maybe we don't even necessarily believe who he is, but we think we believe who he is. And we come to church or we come to other Christians or we come to God and we say, God, I got this junk in my life. We come with baggage. And whether that's um, the history from sin in our lives, whether that's um, the impact of others' lives on us, like abuse or parents that weren't there for us, or maybe it's issues that you're having right now, Um, A lot of times, this is the time where economies are going crazy and jobs are weird and money is is just, um, our 401k is now a 201k. and All of those things put us in a position of baggage when we come to God. Because so often we put our hope and our our, uh, plans in ourselves. That's why God, I think, is so clear about trust not in your own understanding, but trust in Him. Because it's a belief thing and it's a trust thing. And so we have, I think we can come, and, and Hebrews 12.1 tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So often we put our own values in the way. We put our own sin and baggage. Because what if we come to church, or what if we come to other Christians and say, I have doubts. Or I was hurt, and I can't get over that hurt. And so the idea of a loving God, really loving me unconditionally, is too hard for me. I don't get it. Well, what did Jesus do when people like that came? He met a woman at a well whose life was was somewhat chaotic. And he said, you know what, I I have new water for your life. I have something that will heal that and give you a life that is is a relationship with God. When he met people with physical issues, he looked at them and said, do you want to be healed? And then he did. And I think as a body of Christ, we create a climate that's safe and authentic for us to admit and deal with our baggage. 
Because God's not interested in fake belief. God is interested in us being authentic and real and acting on the message that we are his children. He wants a relationship with us. And we need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. What a great promise. And I love the picture of people coming to church or coming into our lives and saying, I got this baggage. What do I do with it? Why would we want people to carry that baggage any longer than they had to? What if we're a church and a people that say, bring it on? Because I want to tell you about a God who's big enough to heal, big enough to comfort, big enough to change lives. And the way we do that is we have to be people that have put ourselves in a position of saying, do I believe in who God is? And have I trusted him? Because if I put myself in a position to trust God, and I can, as people come and go, yeah, I don't know how to trust God. Our response could be, let me show you. Because I've done that. I've experienced God's love. I've experienced that joy. Not a fake thing that says I come to church and I can throw on a suit and I have a new tie this morning. And so, kind of looking good. I, too often the world sees church and sees Christians as that. We're the ones that fake it the best. And I don't think God talks about that. I think God talks about true faith is where we open our arms and say, bring it on. Because I have experienced a God who's big, and I think he's big enough for you. And whether that's us putting our hope in our jobs, or us putting our hope in Christmas gifts, or our hope in whatever that is, I think God is big enough to take our baggage and remove that from us. And I know several people, even in our church, who who have said to me and said to people I know, I'm hurting and I don't know about this and I'm not sure I can tell people. Because what would they think of us? We're really good at that. We're really good at telling ourselves, we're just not good enough. And God says, yeah, you're right. You're not good enough. That's why I sent Jesus to be born, to live, to die, to teach, to forgive So that we can act and we can put ourselves in God's hands and trust Him as our God. And trust Him as our Savior. And Jesus modeled that for us over and over as He talked to tax collectors, as He hung out with prostitutes, as He hung out with sinners, as He hung out with these people that society says, you can't spend time with them. Women that were prostitutes would come and anoint His feet with oil. And the religious leaders were appalled. And Jesus said, I came to save the lost. I didn't come to pretend. I came to help people admit that they're sin, admit their sin, admit their struggle, admit their, their baggage. And I think we need to put ourselves in a position to communicate this with God. Because if you're here today and you don't have a belief in God, I'm going back to my first statement, God's big. I think you put yourself in a position to say, God, I don't know that you're real. Tell me that you're, show me that you're do that. I think you go to your friends that are, that claim to be Christians and say, okay, tell me why this is real to you. And that's a great challenge for us as a church and as a people. And that leads right into the other thing because if we want to be, um, have an authentic faith, I think we have to have some action steps, being authentic and all of those things. I think we also need to deal with doubts. Kevin Meyer introduced me to a 
a great book on The Reason for God by Timothy Keller, and he's referred to it in here. For those of you that read Leadership Magazine, I happened to open up Leadership Magazine the other day, and Timothy Keller's book was rated number one in the ten books that you should read this year. So there's lots of people that have been real impressed with him. And he talks about the reason for God in an age of skepticism. And I think that I love his perspective on doubts. Because he said, and I'm just going to read it, read a passage, because sometimes when they say it real well and then you try to describe it, you miss things. And so I'm just going to read it for you. A second look at doubt. I want to make a proposal that I've seen bear much fruit in the lives of young New Yorkers over the years. He um, has planted several churches in New York um, where people went. He said, I went and people said, New York, and you're with young people and they're not interested in spiritual things. And he says, that's, that's just not true. They're very interested in spiritual things. It's just whether they understand who God is or not. So he says, I recommend that each side look at doubt in a radically new way. Let's begin with believers. A faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe, as they do, will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts which should only be discarded after long reflection. Believers should acknowledge and wrestle with doubts, not only their own, but their friends and their neighbors. It's no longer sufficient to hold beliefs just because you inherited them. Only if you struggle long and hard with objections to your faith will you be able to prove, to provide grounds for your belief to skeptics, including yourself, that are plausible rather than ridiculous or offensive. And just as important for our current situation Such a process will lead you, even after you come to a position of strong faith, to respect and understand those who doubt. I think we're not very good at doubting. Because I think we get to put ourselves in a position of saying, God, I'm not sure you're there. But then something inside of us goes, well, especially if you've been raised in the church. Well, I'm not supposed to really ask that question. And it's just too hard. We have people with cancer. Where is God when cancer shows up? Where is God when people lose a child? Where is God when people are starving around the world? And a true belief is one that deals with that doubt. Because you know what? God is big enough for our doubts. And I think too often we're embarrassed by those doubts or we're hesitant because we say, well, any good Christian wouldn't be a person that's, that's doubting those things. I was raised in the church. Or if I come to the church and I talk about experiencing God and I experience God in a new way, and yet I'm not real sure about these other areas, I can't say that because then people make fun of me. Or people would look down on me. Or people would think something's wrong with me. And if I have these doubts, then I must not be able to be a part of this. And I love uh, Keller's picture of the doubts create antibodies in our, in our life. The times where, you know what, cancer's not going away anytime soon, as far as I can tell. There's going to be more and more people that deal with that. And more and more people that you know that will struggle with that, deal with accidents, deal with whatever. Where is God in those things? Well, I think a true and authentic faith is the faith that has struggled through that, has dealt with that, who realizes there's evil in the world, who realizes sin screws things up. And for me, I look at that and I go, that is even more reason for me to trust in who God is. 
Because I think one of the uniqueness of Christianity is God is the only, the God of the Bible is the only one that talks about a relationship where he can give us peace and victory over those things. One of my favorite stories of uh, a guy named Tim, Tony Campolo I heard speak one time, and he, um, he talked about anointing people with oil. And maybe I've shared this story before, I don't, I don't remember, but he um, said, I'm going to take that seriously, because the Bible tells me to anoint people with oil. And so he anointed this one woman with oil, or this one man with oil who was sick, and the next day the woman called, his wife called and said, oh, thank you so much, it was a miracle. And Tony Campolo says, well, then I must, then is your husband healed? And she goes, oh no, he died last night. And he goes, what? What? And she said, but he has been so sick and ill that we haven't had any real relationship for a long time. And for this brief moment last night, it was like all the pain went away and it cleared up everything. And we were able to say goodbye to each other. We were able to invest in each other. And he died peacefully. We look at doubts and say, there can't be a God because there's cancer. I look at that and say, there's got, I gotta have a God because there's cancer. Cause I don't, what else can I do? I can put myself in a position to earn a lot of money. I can put myself in a position to be successful and have lots of friends, whatever. My body's falling apart. And that's just the way it is. Because there's sin in the world and God is the only real answer to that. And so as we look at that, I, I think we can look at what Jesus said about that. He had a disciple named Thomas, who Jesus, when he, was, he died and rose again and came to the disciples and said, Hey, I'm alive, and the disciples got excited, and Thomas wasn't there. And so when they went to Thomas, they said, Hey, Thomas, Jesus is alive. And he goes, Don't believe you. Until I put my hands in his hands, I don't believe you. So when Jesus showed up, what is his response? Thomas, you're off the team. No. He says, Thomas, put your hands in my hands. See, put your hand on the side where they, they ripped apart my side. Because I want you to believe. And then he says something interesting where he says, you believe you because you see, but how much better would your belief have been when you didn't see? And one of the commentaries I read about that said, Thomas had spent so much time with God, with Jesus, that he should have known better. And so it was Thomas dealing with his doubts. Is he dealing with those things? Was he putting himself in trust in God? I don't know. But Jesus still says, Thomas, I want you to follow me. I understand you're going to doubt. We'd see um, Peter when he was uh, one of the disciples. They were in, the, in a boat going across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus comes walking across the water, which is a really cool deal. And he, com- he comes up to the boat and Peter says, Jesus, is that you? Then help, let me come out. And so Peter walks out of the water as well and gets freaked out because he's walking on water. And he, and he starts looking down and worrying about the waves, and he f- starts to fall in, and he says, Jesus, save me. And Jesus does. Now, some of the commentaries I read about that talk about G- Peter doesn't have enough faith in, in God at that point. And that's probably true. Other commentators really question, does Peter have enough faith in Peter? Because does he understand the time that he spent with Jesus, is that enough trust built up that I know even when I'm doing things that shouldn't be working, God is big enough to do that with me. And so I think that's a challenge, but I think it tells, tells us a lot about how God looks at doubt. I think God, come, people come to him all the time, even religious leaders in the middle of the night, and say, tell me about this deal. I don't get it. And Jesus says, well, let me explain it to you. It's like this. God created us in our image. God created us in his image. 
we, there's sin in the world, so we have to be reborn. And, we did, and God made that possible through Jesus. And I think in addition to dealing with doubts, we have to deal with disagreements. One of my favorite commercials these days is the Mac and the PC commercials. I'm sure if you watch TV, you've seen one. Whoever wrote those Mac commercials is a genius. Because the Mac guy gets to be the young guy, and everything works efficiently, and the poor PC guy has, you know, buttons to talk you to quit, you, quit admitting that you have problems with your computer and all of these funky things. And it goes back and forth. And now the PC people have come out with, you know, I'm a real person and I'm cool and I'm a PC person. And they go back and forth. And what I like about the commercials is I think it tells us a lot about our culture. That too often when we disagree with things, our culture tells us you have to, be, you have to prove the other wrong or maybe they're even bad because they disagree with me. And I think oftentimes that's a challenge theologically and with faith. If we say, um, this is the way I put my faith, um, and this is the way that others see their faith. Will Smith is an actor. Um, he's in a number of famous movies as well as a deep theologian. Yeah. I, I don't have any idea how theologically sound Will Smith is. But he is in the Newsweek this week, and he says some interesting things. Because he's a good friend of Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a well-known Scientology uh, follower, and so they ask him, are you a Scientologist? And Will Smith says, no, I have a, founda- a firm foundation in, in Jesus, Jesus of the Bible. I was raised in a Baptist church, and that I'm so confident in my faith. And so they go, well, so what are you doing hanging around with him? And I don't, again, I don't know where Will Smith is theologically, but his response was, and I love his response, was, my faith is so, I'm so confident in my faith in who God is that I can hang out with other people and hear about their faith and be comfortable knowing that I, I, have a, I serve a God who's real. I think too often Christians and followers of Jesus come up against other people's beliefs and go, you've got to be wrong. You've got to be bad. Now, Christians get nervous when I start talking about this because there's this thing called truth and, and God, and the, and the Bible is clear. It's Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm a firm believer in Jesus is the only way to God. But I'm also a firm believer that too often when somebody says, yeah, I don't believe that, we take the big old Bible and whack them over the head. Or we run away from them. Rather than if we look at Jesus' model, he goes up to people that had different beliefs than him and say, well, let me tell you about this. Paul is a great example of that. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, comes up to people and says, I become all, all things to all people so that no one will miss out on Jesus. He goes to the place where they're very intellectual and, and he does intellectual reasoning and says, you know, I can see you guys who worship many gods. And you even have one that's to an unknown God. Let me tell you about that unknown God is really the one true God. So I'm not saying apologize for your faith. I'm not saying don't um, believe your faith is right. But understand that we have to deal with doubts and we have to deal with disagreements. Because when God gives us a faith that is real, and where we're put in a position to trust, if we've experienced God on a deep enough level, when people come and say, yeah, I have a different faith than you, say, really? This is, let me tell you about how real my God is. Is your God that real to you? And is your God want a relationship with you? Because I think that's unique to Christianity. Is that God says, I want, a, I want a relationship with you. And I have a way to take care of sin. I sent my son Jesus. 
to die for you. Every other religion that I'm aware of has, takes care of sin by our behavior. How many times we do something a day, how, many, how good we are, are we better than somebody else, we'll come again for another life, all of those things. God is big, and he can deal with doubts, and he can deal with disagreements. And too often it's, we feel like it's our responsibility to fix it. It's our responsibility to straighten people out. I think it's God's responsibility to do that. I think it's our responsibility to share with them. Tell them. And it's a lot easier, folks, if we have a faith that is real because we believe in Him, we've dealt with our doubts, and we've put ourselves in a position to trust God. We've seen God faithful over the years. And we can say, really? Because this is the God that's real to me. And the other thing I would like to challenge us with that, the, thing that, the phrase that God kept popping into my head this week is, spiritual growth doesn't always look like progress. I think we oftentimes look at people that are dealing with their baggage, and it's ugly. We've had lots of families with kids who are going through drug treatment and those kind of things. It's ugly. There's just not a God of good about it. And oftentimes it looks like, well, there can't be, God can't be working through that. There's just too much baggage there. Or God can't be working through that because there's too much doubt there. Or God can't be working on that because they disagree with who he is. God is big. And spiritual growth doesn't always look like progress. God can be working and massaging and doing things in our lives that we're not even aware of or we're scared to share with people or um, the experience now will lead us somewhere later. I think finally, we need to celebrate God's ongoing investment. Because as much as Jesus comes and says, I'm going to, I died for you and rose again, he says, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit. And John, we find that in John 16, 6 through 15, where he says, Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief, because he told him he's leaving. But I tell you the truth, it is good that I go away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. And this is a reference to the Holy Spirit coming. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. God's in it for the long haul. He made it possible for us to deal with sin through the life of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then when Jesus returns into heaven, he makes it possible for us to have a continuing, ongoing relationship with God through his Spirit. And notice the key part is Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to go, and if you screw up, I'm going to come back. Now Jesus is clear, I'm coming back. But it's I'm coming back when God's done doing his stuff. And until that time, you guys are in charge of telling other people about me. Remember, these are the people not wanting, don't believing he's resurrected. These are the people falling into the water because they don't have enough faith. And Jesus says, you're it. You're my team. 
I picked you as a B team. I worked with you. I taught you. I have more to teach you, but you just can't handle it right now. So I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. Because I have an ongoing investment in this deal. I love you enough to continue to want a relationship with you. So as we enter this Christmas season, I would encourage you, bring your baggage to God. Bring it and dump it and say, God, I don't want to walk with this anymore. If, you have faith, if you're a Christian or you have friends that are Christians, go to other people around you and say, I need your help with this. Because I'm doubting who God is. Or I'm, I, I, this Christianity doesn't make any sense to me. It's not about doing it on our own. It's about being a body of Christ that supports us and encourages each other. We sang the song earlier about um, having faith as a child. The Bible tells us that we have faith of a, the size of a mustard seed. We can do amazing things. And in Matthew 17, 19-20, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? Because they tried to drive out an evil spirit and they couldn't. He replied, Because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. And one of the commentaries I read says, Jesus is telling his disciples that what they need is not giant faith. Tiny faith will do. Because God is big. But what they do need is true faith. Faith that out of deep personal trust. Faith that comes out of deep personal trust. Trust. And faith that expects God to work. As we go into this Christmas season, Maybe we'd be a people and a church that has faith that comes out of deep personal trust and that we'd be people that expects God to work.